It's time now for Setting the Record Straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. You can call the show now at 503-397-1600 or toll-free at 877-397-1632. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KOHI, staff, management, or sponsors. Now, here's Melinda. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Setting the Record Straight. Happy Friday. Carol and I are back again, causing trouble uh, with a great big show. We have lots to talk about today. Um, But before we get into some of the more interesting things that are happening in Salem, we're going to start our show off with a feel-good segment, talking to a young person who is really trying to change the world and so impressive. And joining us this morning is Sam Pond. Um, and Sam it has started a nonprofit to help other young people um, get on with their life. And I just thank you so much, Sam. Thank you again for joining Carol and I this morning. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. This is my first time having or being on a radio show. And this is honestly, I'm very nervous. I know you told me not to be nervous, but I'm so nervous. <laughs> well, this is just us just just chatting. So. I want to talk about your nonprofit, which is called Local Grown, and why, how this all came to be, and who you serve. So let's talk about Local Grown, and, and I know realize this is radio, and you can't see, but he, we're using Zoom, so I can see Sam, and he has this great sweatshirt on, which is really what, you know, how I, I found him in the first place, and it has a peace sign and a happy face, and it says Local Grown. So tell us about Local Grown. Yeah, so um, I guess it kind of just starts from uh, when I was a kid growing up and watching my older siblings and my family not get access to resources that were available to them. And it wasn't because it wasn't there, but it was because they didn't even know it it existed. Uh, So a few years ago, um, I worked at the Multnomah County Courthouse at the Legal Resource Center. And I was a facilitator where I was facilitating resources to the community. I would help people who uh, weren't able to afford legal resources to better serve themselves in court. Um, so I was doing that for a little bit and I realized like there's so much more resources than I thought there was actually. So I decided to create an Instagram account, which at the beginning was called Publicly Grown, um, where I just wanted to share the resources out to the, the younger crowd and make aesthetically pleasing graphics so that it's something they want to share. Um, and eventually it just led to me being like, you know, why not just start a nonprofit and the money that I can raise, I'll create scholarships that are accessible to kids of all colors and primarily we're targeting students of color but it's open to all residents of Oregon um but you only need a 2.0 GPA a two letters of recommendation and the essays are two pages or less just tell me what it is that you want to do um what kind of pattern you're breaking at the end of the day a lot of people in kids even are working full-time sometimes to try to get through uh with their families i know when i was growing up I ha- like i was working when i was 10 11 years old and i was like picking berries with my parents and everything so uh when i grew like as i got older i realized gpa really was not a good measure of intelligence because people are dealing with other external factors so i wanted to account for that so if kids can tell me what it is that's going on with their life and what they want to do to change it then why can't I be the one to help them? Why can't my organization be the one to support them in their journey as they kind of discover themselves? So yeah, that's that's really the big purpose is to 
kind of encourage kids to really go out of their like not only improve their own community but kind of go out and expand their community so that we can kind of support each other feel like especially with covid going on these days people are really separated people don't really want to talk to each other but we're really missing that social aspect of like community building so that's amazing carol look like you had a question for sam yes i just had to learn how to unmute myself um that this is very exciting and it's so funny because yesterday i was talking to somebody who said that they had a a person who has a disability and he's he's trying to leave home and get a job and there's no facilitator there's nobody to help him figure out and and the person came to me and said who should he call who should what organization so I think it's very exciting that you are starting something like this because it sounds to me like it's basically helping people use the system the way the system's meant to be used. Which yeah, I yeah, that's I'm, and that's the goal at the end of the day. Like, it's known it's not breaking news that it takes a long time for government to get things done. I mean, there's <laughs> process behind a lot of things, and you know we want to make sure that when we're doing these processes that like it's correct and it's going to be beneficial to not just one side of the like one side you know um right but for me like since this is my nonprofit, i realized the amount of power that i have and the amount of impact i can have for my community if if i don't if i see something that's happening in my community that i don't think is okay and that should be better and i have an idea to fix it or at least alleviate some of the issues for my community um i can go and address it right there i can talk, talk to my community and be, community and be like hey we know that this is an issue here how about we all just pull in some money i'll do all the organizing and we can at least try to alleviate some of the issues that's going on in our community not necessarily saying i'm going to go fix every issue that's going on in oregon right. but sometimes i like we take painkillers to relieve a headache it's temporary right this mm -hmm. is a temporary fix but at least we can get through the next day and for a lot a lot of people you know getting through the next day is so important um so Really, that's my goal. It's just to help you get through the day, know that somebody that is there to support you, and whether it's me or my team, or um, honestly, if it's just myself, like I just want people to know that there's somebody there out there rooting for them and you know supporting them. So that's so excellent. Average, thank you so much. What's the average size of um, a scholarship that is given? Uh, our scholarships uh, currently are a thousand dollars. We have twelve of them, and they're all separated by. Uh, there's a few for like a general scholarship. So if you're just going to school, you have the grades and you know, you're not really sure what you're doing, but you know, you're going to school and you need money to get to school. So there's that. We have one that's uh, targeted towards BIPOC women in STEM. Um, so women who are looking to pursue careers in computer science, uh, mathematics, law, things like that. We will go and help them do it. And we also have scholarships with trade school, something that gets overlooked all the time. And it's funny because I feel like every year we hear people saying, oh, trade school, we need to really encourage trade school. And yet there's still this shortage of trade employees. So my goal is to hopefully connect with some uh, community partners and find a way to really outreach and encourage kids to, you know, you don't have to go to trade school, but you should at least look at it as an option that is okay and doesn't mean you're any less intelligent than someone who went to college it just means you chose a different route and that's okay right and trade you know, schools and can produce i mean electricians plumbers pipe fitters they make family wage jobs 
Exactly. And chances are, if you're working a trade job, the degree I got in my four years, you're probably going to be making more money than me. You know, like, and people don't sure. realize this because they just like, we, we are taught at a young age that college is the only route to go, especially when you're a person of color, is when our families come to the States, all they know is education. We come here for a better education. So school and college is all we know. But again, my goal is to just give people another option. You know, just, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but let me at least give you the opportunity to learn about an option that might work for you. So let's talk about uh, your scholarship for DACA kids. Mm -hmm. Tell yeah, us so um, I have four grants. It's currently, uh, I'm hoping to get some more funding, but beginning April 20th of this year, um, people who are in the DACA program, uh, as long as they can show proof that they're enrolled in it and they're, um, and that they're, uh, what do you call it? And they're, uh, what do you call it? The paper uh, are about to expire. As long as they can prove to us that it's there and they're using the money for that, um, we'll go and pay for their doc application or renewal fees. Um, I think it's about $500 or just about $500 for that. And when, when you're, when you're not making a lot of money and you're in a program that is requiring you to pay $500, it's hard to do that because chances are they have their own families they need to take care of. And yeah, I just remember growing up, like watching my families do these immigrant jobs. It's like pick, I remember waking up at like four or five in the morning, going to some farm and picking berries for like hours just to make 50 bucks. And I'm a little child, I'm a kid, you know, and I'm, I'm not doing this because my parents are forcing me to, I'm doing this because like, I want to help around. I want to do things to, you know, again, alleviate the situation for my family. So, um, and with the DACA program, it's the same situation. It's not. It might not be a lot of money, but at least I'll believe you some, like some issues, and you can at least use that five hundred for something else that could be used on your family. So five hundred dollars seems a very steep price to. Yeah, seriously. That, that that's that's terrible. So you, how long have you had this nonprofit? How long have you been working on this nonprofit? So it's funny because actually the beginning of this month was our one year. So we just turned a year old. But in the past year, we've raised over $12,000 and we're gonna give out over 10 scholarships. And we've held two co-ed basketball tournaments for the community. And then we've done like uh, round net, um, which is like a new sport, a newer sport um, for co-ed. And then we've also done a community it, dinner. What's it called, round net? It's called round net it's all, or spike ball. Some people could know it as spike ball. But it's like a combination of like volleyball and like tennis. It's it's really fun. But uh, one of my Not interns like with a volleyball. Yeah, no. if you look it up, I I think you you would love okay. it. So it's really fun. Okay, um, we're gonna take a quick break. We come okay. back. We're gonna hear more about Sam's local grown PDX uh, public or excuse me nonprofit and how he's been raising money and what's next for him. So stay with us. This is setting the record straight. Carol and I will be right back. Need towing? Call Gruppy's Towing, 24-hour emergency service, providing jump starts, winching and recovery for autos, trucks, to boats, and Grumpy's Towing is equipped to service large trucks to semi-trucks. Grumpy's Towing is here to give you prompt service, and they work with most insurance companies. When you need help, remember Grumpy's Towing. That's the name for 24-hour service. Call 503-543-5533. Grumpy's Towing, 503-543-5533. 
Hi, this is Tracy from Highway 30 Barbers reminding you to stop in for a great look six days a week. We are located right off Highway 30, just north of Fred Meyer. Open 10 to 6 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday. Enjoy an ice-cold beer and get a great new look. We are the best barber shop in Columbia County, so make all your friends jealous and come on in because there's no appointment necessary at Highway 30 Barbers. Check us out on Facebook. Fill up your punch card and get a free haircut. Wow, that's a great deal from Highway 30 Barbers. Scapoose. Call us today at 503-543-2417. Marvelous Mosaics. Brain Rainier or Verhemier. Come take a class if you're interested in glass. Marvelous Mosaics. Visit your local Mosaic stained glass infusing shop at 315 West B Street in Rainier, Oregon. They offer local art and classes at Marvelous Mosaics. Marvelous Mosaics. Brain Rainier or Verhemier. Come take a class if you're interested in glass. Marvelous Mosaics, 315 West B Street in Rainier. Find the perfect Valentine gift and more. This is Realizing Art, your local tattoo and body art studio, serving lower Columbia County since 2019. We offer a variety of tattoo and art services in a warm, clean, and welcoming environment. Stop by downtown St. Helens and visit Realizing Art. You can give us a call at 503-396-5018 or you can find us on Facebook and Google. Again, that's Realizing Art in downtown St. Helens, Oregon. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. It's Setting the Record Straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. Call the show now at 503-397-1600. And they've just celebrated their first year. And so far, they have raised something like twelve dollars or $13,000 for scholarships. For their target are um, kids of color, but it is open to anyone in, in Oregon to apply. And real quick, Sam, I'm really impressed that you're only asking for a 2.0 GPA. So many scholarships, it's just this, it's just the struggle and fight to have the 4.0 and do 45, be involved in 45 organizations and prove that you're just excellent. So why the two point, why the 2.0 GPA? Uh, so yeah, 2.0 is just to me, like, you know, that saying C's get degrees. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's true. C's do get degrees, right? So, I tell that to my kids. I, yeah, I don't feel like it's okay to penalize a kid or say that a kid doesn't have access to resources because their grade is not sufficient enough. To me, I feel like if if you're going to school and you're getting the job done, why can't you get access to these resources, right? And again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, like people are dealing with stuff externally. School is only one facet of your life. And there are things, there's your family, there's your friends, there's... What else? If you're working, you have work. I mean, if you're doing all those things and you're out in your community doing the right thing and you're still finding time to go to school and, you know, get the job done, you might not be the best student there is, but at the end of the day, you're there, you're getting the job done. 
and again this is why i do the, uh, the two-page or less essays because like tell me a little bit more about why it is you think you deserve this money and chances are if you're gonna take the time to apply for my scholarships with a 2.0 gpa you probably feel like you have some sort of potential that can be unlocked you know that like you just couldn't find the time or the priority to get the the straight a's but you did enough to get the c's and you might have been working full-time to get there so tell me about it you know like tell me about your struggle tell me how you overcame that struggle and like why like why wouldn't i want to give money to somebody who's been through it and still managed to finish school you know so that's kind of why i was um why the 2.0 gpa is there because at the end of the day if you're getting a job done that's all that matters so and i'm not going to penalize a kid you know like i really just don't feel like that's okay to penalize a kid for having two grades of a thing if you get straight a's i mean perfect for you more resources are available to you but there needs to be more resources for kids who you know are, are doing enough to get by and are dealing with other stuff so yeah, that's great that's a great answer um and i love the fact that that you're making these accessible to people and that that is fabulous so tell us what's next for you when is your next fundraiser uh i'm not sure what my next fundraiser is but i do i'm working on a project so i want to do a professional development workshop so i'm hoping to get like a professional photographer uh, to come in and give kids like a professional headshot and then also uh, work on um, and getting some like school advisors and hopefully some recruiters to come in and uh, work with some high school kids on their resumes and as like scholarship essays and what I'm hoping to do is to take those essays and put them into our pool for scholarships and they could also use all those things uh, to apply for any other scholarships they, that they might want to pursue but the biggest thing for this workshop is I just want to give kids a chance to see themselves in a professional settings setting if they might not have seen it before up until i was 15 i thought my life was going to be pushing boxes i thought i was going to and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that right like my older brothers do that but like i thought my life was going to just be that was it i didn't realize that my life could I, like there was a professional route that i could take until i got myself there and i saw myself there so what I'm hoping for is if I can give these kids a professional looking resume, if I can help them develop their essays, and then I give them a professional headshot at it, they might try to, it might encourage them to aspire for more, you know? And like I said, if, if at the end of the day, someone wants to be, if someone wants to work in a blue collar field, or if they want to do trade school, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But again, the goal is to just provide the option or at least let them or open the door to another possibility that they could go so yeah that's my next project that i'm working on and um i'm also working i'm hoping to do a free oral cancer screening event for the community up in northeast portland um in the summertime so it's a a lot of big ideas that i'm working with a couple of community partners with but uh hoping the um, professional workshop development happens next month so that, that's fabulous and and do you have um any community partners or corporate partners or maybe legislative partners or anyone that you think that might um see the potential of this amazing pro program and to help yeah. you so uh director uh talks on la gillespie who is the director of immigrant and refugee advancement um it's an office with the governor's uh, office um 
she has been a great supporter. She was there with me when uh, we did a community dinner to encourage people to come out, and uh, especially the Southeast Asian population, uh, to come out and uh, vote, to try to increase voter turnout and voter participation amongst our community. Uh, she came and helped support it. And then Cheryl Myers, who's the Deputy Secretary of State, also came and supported. Uh, Representative um, Hudson uh, also came to our event, and uh, he was in full support of our uh, what we were trying to do. So we've had a, a lot of support from so many different places, Apano, Erco, uh, all those organizations have like assisted us in some way. Um, and at, like going on a year two, what I'm hoping to do. So currently I barely pay myself anything for doing this work. If there's like an extra hundred or two, I might just be like, okay, you know, I'll give myself a hundred dollars type. But a lot of times what I'm doing is just free work and on my own time. So I'm hoping for year two, I can, at least raise a little bit more money because I do want to pay my interns because um, again, they're students. And to me, like me getting paid, I don't really care about that. But for me, like it's important for me to pay my interns just because they're taking time out of their school hours and stuff to essentially do free work. So whenever I do get money, I do want to pay them. <laughs> and then yeah, eventually great. it'll come to me. But like I said, I'm not too worried about paying myself at the moment. So when is your next deadline for scholarship? So if somebody listening wants to apply, um, how, how, first of all, where do they go? How do so they if you want to apply for our scholarships, uh, you'll want to go to a localgrownpdx.org. Um, and there, there'll be a pop-up or there's like sub-tabs, you just click scholarships, and it'll take you to a job form and you'll fill it out, submit your forms there. Uh, the application deadline is April 20th, 2023. So you guys have about, what, is that two, two months? two more months and again the requirements are very easy if you have a 2.0 gpa you're resident of oregon and you're going to be enrolling in a in a school for next year um and that school like, do you mean high school or college college or college okay college so okay. for high school seniors and uh, college students um but yeah resident of oregon two page or less essay submit your resume and um two letters of recommendations and then Boom, you're in the pool, and me and a panel of, I think, six or seven will look through the applications, and yeah. That's but, great. Uh, a lot of our information updates are going to be on our Instagram, which is at localgrown. Um, so, at L-O-C-A-L-G-R-O-W-N. And that's your Instagram? And that's and, our Instagram, yep. And so, do you have a, do you feel like you have a pretty good following? Are you trying to get the word out? I know that's hard sometimes. Yeah, uh, so... Our following is at just about almost 600 at the moment, which isn't bad for year one. Um, but we've done a pretty good job of getting our, our name pretty well known in like the Southeast Portland and um, and the Beaverton area. But uh, my goal again is just to get my our name all across Oregon so that I can reach more communities and then hopefully provide more resources to communities that just aren't being like that just aren't getting resources allocated to them, so. Okay, so you've got the workshop coming up and you still haven't decided on your next fundraiser, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. But okay. a lot of times we'll do co-ed basketball tournaments and those generate a good amount of money, so. Um, really? Our events are also on our website too, so if you ever are interested in uh, learning more about our uh, events, again, our website has all our information. Um, you can also donate through our website and then it'll, generate a uh, tax receipt for you right then and there too so 
That's amazing. 26 years old, a great idea to reach out and help the community. And is there anything else that you would like folks to know? To know? Um, well, let's talk about some of your recipients. I know you don't have to name them, but do they update you on, on how the money has, has helped them? Uh, so currently this is uh, our first round of scholarships. So we haven't had any recipients yet, but this this uh, round here will be our first our first oh. class. So very exciting, and uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to make uh, like a little congratulations surprise gift box or something, like you know, with some gear, just congratulate them on finishing school and thanks for being part of the team or being part of the community. Maybe a shirt that says local ground or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. And yeah, speaking of the merch, um, our merchandise was designed by a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Stephen Horan Jr. Um, he's a really good designer. Um, if you want to see his designs, please uh, visit his um, Instagram. It's Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Horton, H-O-R-T-O-N, uh, Jr., J-R. Um, but yeah, he's... He has a lot of, he's done a lot of good projects. I know he's uh, designed the Washington Wizards um, City Edition jerseys for this season. And uh, he's also designed the ML, like the um, MLK Day uh, warm ups for the NBA this year as well. So, wow. uh, yeah, and he was, I feel very blessed to have him as a friend and as a brother. He did all this stuff for me and um, he did it pro bono. and. Yeah, it's always good to have like good friends and good people by your side, especially when you're trying to do something big for the community. It's all about the people that you uh, you surround yourself with. Well, that's amazing. And if you go later on, if you go to the Setting the Record Straight Facebook page, um, mm -hmm. hopefully Sam will have pop something on there so you can see the sweatshirt that he's talking about. And uh, don't forget, if you want more information, you'd like to donate or you'd like to pass this on to somebody who you think is deserving of a scholarship, you can go to localgrownpdx.org. And Carol and I are going to be right back. We're going to take a break. Um, so stay with us. We're going to talk about some of the bills you might want to look for in the legislature this session. So be right back. Stay with us. Need towing? Call Grumpy's Towing, 24-hour emergency service, providing jump starts, winching and recovery for autos, trucks, to boats, and Grumpy's Towing is equipped to service large trucks to semi-trucks. Grumpy's Towing is here to give you prompt service, and they work with most insurance companies. When you need help, remember, Grumpy's Towing, that's the name for 24-hour service. Call 503-543-5533. Grumpy's Towing, 503-543-5533. Hi, this is Tracy from Highway 30 Barbers reminding you to stop in for a great look six days a week. We are located right off Highway 30, just north of Fred Meyer. Open 10 to 6 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday. Enjoy an ice-cold beer and get a great new look. We are the best barber shop in Columbia County, so make all your friends jealous and come on in because there's no appointment necessary at Highway 30 Barbers. Check us out on Facebook. Fill up your punch card and get a free haircut. Wow, that's a great deal from Highway 30 Barbers. Scapoose. Call us today at 503-543-2417. Marvelous Mosaics. Rain, rain, air. Rain, Come take a class if you're interested in class. 
Marvelous Mosaics. Visit your local Mosaic stained glass infusing shop at 315 West B Street in Rainier, Oregon. They offer local art and classes at Marvelous Mosaics. Marvelous Mosaics. We're in Rainier. We're very near. Come take a class if you're interested in glass. Marvelous Mosaics, 315 West B Street in Rainier. Find the perfect Valentine gift and more. This is Realizing Art, your local tattoo and body art studio, serving Lower Columbia County since 2019. We offer a variety of tattoo and art services in a warm, clean, and welcoming environment. Stop by downtown St. Helens and visit Realizing Art. You can give us a call at 503-396-5018 or you can find us on Facebook and Google. Again, that's Realizing Art in downtown St. Helens, Oregon. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. It's Setting the Record Straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. Call the show now at 503-397-1600. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? Hey, so welcome back. Carol and I um, are going to talk about now. We're moving on to some of the bills that you might see in Salem this session if they make it. Um, so, you know, it's a long process. And for those of you not familiar, I um, a House representative or a state senator um, files a bill and then it has to go to a committee and the committee has to approve it and move it out of committee. Then it goes to the next chamber, same process. I'm sorry, it has to be approved on the floor. So it's a long process. So really it takes a lot to get a bill passed. That said, um, there's a record number of bills, Carol, this year that have been filed according to Oregon Live. Um, thousand a couple thousand bills something like that i mean that have actually made it to draft so i thought we thought we would share with you what some of our local representatives uh what state senator suzanne weber is proposing along with brian stout um the house representative for house district 31 and um i thought we would start first with uh mr stout he doesn't have any chief sponsored bills um, and that is when it's their idea and then they ask other people to join on. And I'm not sure if that's because of his recent troubles or that he was told that those bills wouldn't be accepted. I'm not really sure why. So that's something I question for him later. But um, it's interesting, Carol, because the three bills that he has signed on, um, I should say three of the bills are all about abortion rights that he doesn't support them. So the first one is House Bill 2423, and this would direct the Oregon Health Authority to establish a pregnancy launch program. It establishes a hotline, hotline, so for pregnant women to call in, presumably to talk them out of having abortion, and it prohibits the Oregon Health Authority from contracting with organizations that directly or indirectly promote or refer abortion services, so AKA Planned Parenthood. So what do you think about that one, Carol? He's joined on this. He's sponsored. This is uh, it. It bothers me very much when people who shouldn't have any say about things try to do that. Um, I don't see middle-aged men making those decisions, and I feel that it's more political than anything. So right. I would 
I would vote against it if I was in the legislature. Okay, good to know. Yeah, he, he lacks a uterus last time I looked. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> the next one he signed on to was is House Bill 2526, which directs the Oregon Health Authority to establish a toll-free pregnancy resources hotline. So this is interesting. So one bill has it as part of it, and this bill is this the only way. Like, this is the only subject of that bill. And they often do that to try to make sure that this idea gets, you know, gets pushed through. So um, it, it pulled out the hotline idea and and has it standing on its own. So that's interesting. Um, and it'll be toll free. Which last I, I, you know, I mean, do any of us use landlines anymore? Okay, mm. then moving on, he also signed on, this is a non, um, non, reproductive bill. He signed on to Senate Bill 853, which prohibits the state from paying the costs of travel to or from Oregon for employees in state service who telecommute from their principal works place outside the state. So this this is a bipartisan bill. And what happened is during COVID, um, people were getting, you, you got a stipend to work at home. And then a lot of people chose to work out to work out of state. Maybe they moved to Washington. Maybe they live in Vancouver. Maybe they live in Idaho. It doesn't really matter. And so, if they were required to come into, let's say, the state capital, they would pay their mileage. And it was some sort of oversight. So that basically just because people who work every day from home who live in the state and then have to go into work now don't get mileage. So this is just sort of taking care of an inequity. And I expect this one to pass because it is bipartisan, which many of the bills are. For those of you listening, I am highlighting some bills that seem, you know, one party or another, but I would say 95% of the bills are bipartisan and often they're bicameral, which means they're both, they're supported both in the Senate and the House. Um, okay, moving on. Um, so th that's it for uh, Brian Stout, unless I missed one. Um, which is possible and and then they sign you can sign on throughout the entire session because it's just impossible to know about all the bills until you hear about it in caucus or you hear it on the floor so um senator suzanne weber and if you recall she was the house representative for house district 32 which is astoria that side of our area um she is now she took over for betsy right um, so she has Senate Bill 127, and Carol, this is an interesting one. Right now, the corporate activity tax, if you make more than a million dollars, you have to start paying anything on a, anything over a million dollars. She wants to change that threshold from one million to five million. So what do you think about that? I wonder who's supporting her in this. Where, who who got behind this? <laughs> I mean, is that why there were all those donations of a million dollars to candidates who were running for governor? <laughs> well, you know, that is a valid yeah. question. Yeah. Definitely a valid question. So um, this bill at, the, at this moment looks like it just has Republican support. So I don't know where this bill will go, but you can never predict in the legislature because things get a little wild and woolly. Um, <laughs> she does have a bill. Um, this bill, interestingly enough, there's two bills that do the same thing. 
Senate Bill 516 and House Bill 3037. And both bills, so they, people, before I get into this bill, this is another tactic. Um, partners in the Senate and the House will each launch the same bill um, in the event that it gets stalled in one of one of the chambers. And they can get stalled for a variety of reasons, depending on what committee they're assigned to and who's on the committee and what the committee chair thinks about it. Um, it it's, it's so complicated. So they're trying to hedge their bets. And this one is pretty interesting. It directs the Oregon State University Extension Service to collaborate with the Department of Education for the purposes of identifying and collecting student data relevant for the maintenance of outdoor school programs. And I looked into this deeper and it appears to be that they wanna make sure, they wanna see who is participating in outdoor school and, and see what populations they're missing because not enough kids are given the opportunity this is according to the bill's sponsors to participate. And this is a bipartisan bill that um, Senator Weber has signed on to. So what do you think about this one? Well, outdoor school is a very sensitive topic for me because my children went through it and were counselors, my daughter and um, niece. And um, we, I remember when the lottery first came in and we were promised how the lottery money was going to be spent in order to allow a lottery. And one of the things was creating a program to teach children about the state and to care about it and what's happening and about the nature that's involved in the state. And I always thought it was a really good program. And my kids love it. And they said, there are people who've never slept away from home at this camp and at this event or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm saying that because somebody who was running for governor said it's nothing but a camp, let's get rid of it. Yes. And I was just... And who was that person? Um, let's see, her name was... Uh, <laughs> you all know her name. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm was, not, well, there were three women running this time. It was Senator Johnson. Okay. And she, and, and she was in ways and means at that time and was worried about um, money. But uh, I feel like um, we should have everybody included. And if somebody can't be included, for sure, then we have to figure out a way to allow them to be. But it's a, there are people, my daughter said, there are people who would come in who would never been anywhere in nature, never been camping, never been outside. And how are you going to care about what happens in this state if you don't understand those things? I mean, we have people, you know, from other states who want to do stuff, terrible stuff to our river because it doesn't matter to them. But those of us who understand the river and care about the river do not want to see that happen. So I think it's part of creating good citizens who learn to take care of the land they're living on. And we're walking into one of the worst times probably in history in terms of climate change. So I would support uh, not having, I mean, if they're trying to find more people, great. If they're just trying to create evidence that we don't really need it, no. It sounded to me- I know that's hard to believe, but do, I'm suspicious. I did, some, I did do some research and it did sound to me that okay. the idea behind it was to make sure that we were including all populations, just as we had um, on our last two segments. We we spoke with Sam Fawn, excuse me, Sam Pawn, uh, regarding you know people of color um, and different communities who are often left out of processes. 
And right. it also be the same for outdoor school because it does cost money and schools have the ability, you know, to, I mean, they, there are often are scholarships available, but there's so much that goes into it. And you're right. Kids are, I hear the same thing from my kids when they went to outdoor school, that they were surprised at how many kids, even from our community who had really never been out, really mm-hmm. out. And right. their elementary school was very much focused on the stewardship of the land and not mm-hmm. every elementary. So there were a lot of those lessons were, were woven into your basic, you know, reading, writing, um, right. History, right. So lots of yeah. hikes, lots of understanding of the native populations and talks about stewardship, you know, yeah. and going forward, because we have to have these conversations. How do we manage our forests in a, in a way that is healthy, but also that we can continue to have revenue? How do we manage mm-hmm. our rivers? Um, how do we bring businesses here that won't pollute, that won't take ungodly amounts of water from the river, return it? And, and raise the, the river three degrees. All of the things that we've been facing for decades. Right. Uh, but you're right. It creates an understanding. So I so far this bill, and you know, I'm going to look this up really quick because I want to know um, who it was. I and I should have looked this up earlier. Who the sponsors are, and I like I said, it was it is a bipartisan bill. But let's just see who this was, um, who submitted this. And, and while it, you're looking. Oh, okay, I, I've got it. Um, oh, good. So it, it's it's Representative Courtney Neron, Senator uh, Mike Dembro, Suzanne Weber, she was a chief sponsor, by the way, and Representative Ricky Ruiz. And then we have um, Representative Wright, and he is a Republican from Coos Bay, or uh, Reedsport. And Senator Janine Solomon, and she is a Democrat from Beaverton. So it looks like it is pretty, um, you know, like I said, bipartisan. So what we're going to say? And, and the goal is to get more people involved as opposed to getting rid of it, right? That's what I was told. Um, it For the purposes, I'm reading it right now, to collect student data relevant for the purpose of program maintenance. So that is that is what they're saying. I well, it is never popular to get rid of outdoor schools. So I'm thinking well we'll see. But anyway, um I want we have lots more bills to talk about, but we need to take a quick break. So stay with us. This is Setting the Record Street. Carol and I will be right back. So the next one I want to talk about is legislator salaries. Okay, that's They're bringing good. it back because they make a terrible salary for the amount yeah, I know. they have to and do. And then you don't get, you only get millionaires who have nothing else to do. They get $2,900 a month. Yeah. And, okay, so they do get per diem. So if you have to stay, because a lot of these people, it's a long way, or you're driving and then you end up yeah. like Travis Nelson, you get pulled over because, you know, driving right. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot. And you know, if we want people who have other perspective, we're never going to get them. Because who wants, who can make $2,900? That's before taxes. And people don't have jobs they can just walk away from in the middle of the month and go there. I don't even know, we have two physicians. So Maxine Dexter, who was on our show, 
She's a pulmonologist. And then we have Lisa mm-hmm. Reynolds. She's family med. So they mm-hmm. must, they can't work during session. You just can't. Right. So they must take a leave of absence. And you know, they must, that costs them. Sure. Yeah. That $2,900 is like a drop of the bucket for them. Right. Right. Hey, Sam, can you hear me? Sam, if you can hear me, what does Twee do for a living? Uh, Twee is a uh, optometrist. Oh, okay. Yes, and she works in Northeast Portland okay. in her own clinic. Right. So, see, it's a, you know, you, I don't know. You yeah. have to be professional or retired, which means, and I'm not saying retired people don't have a place. I mean, yeah, I'm not, be careful. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to have some say. <laughs> But we shouldn't have all olds, right? I mean, we need to have a no. picture. Yeah, and retired people often are like me, and they do more than they did when they worked. I know, right? I know you're. Ta- uh, I know it's like, okay, we should be coming back pretty soon. And then I have Zoom after. Oh God, I have a caucus, LA caucus, right after this. After uh, that stupid Zoom. I mean, I didn't say stupid, Sam. An enlightening Zoom for LA caucus. <laughs> oh, here we go. See this this session in in Salem, and the next one we want to talk about is Senate Bill Seven Eighty Six. This is not the first time this bill has made an appearance. And it has been sponsored by Senator Przanski and Senator Manning and Representative um, Pham and Senator Campos and Representative Dexter, who's been on our show. And it establishes the annual salary of the members of the Legislative Assembly equal to the annual average wage for all covered employment. Okay, they make it so complicated because, you know, the legal eagles write this. Basically, they want to raise and they want their um, their salary to be reflective of the average wage in Oregon, right? Okay, so, which I think is fair. And I don't see a number here. I'm looking through the bill. So as you know, Carol, right now they are getting 29, I think it's something like 2,980, something like that a month that's pre-tax. And then they'd get a hundred, I think $149 per diem during session. So roughly, and I don't know really what that works out to be because they do get something like when they're not in session, but it's not a lot. So you either have to have independently wealthy people, retired people, which, you know, that's all fine. But we're, are we seeing a cross-section of representation? I mean, are we seeing 30-year-old or, or 40-year-old people who have families and children? What do you think, Carol? I, I agree. I think it's an issue that we really do need to address because... Those people are making decisions that somehow affect everything that can happen in our state. And I want a diversity of people there. I want people who, young people and older people. So, and I think it's hard to have a career where you can just leave for a certain amount of time. And so if you have to still do your career to keep your household going, but you also have your job as a legislator, that's hard. And I think it's important to have representation. Like our, our our earlier guest was talking about, sometimes there are huge areas of, of communities who just aren't represented. 
Right. Um, and we do we do have more people of color in the legislature this year, and they are they are skewing a little younger, but in general, it's the older folks or people who have careers that they can put on hold. Um, we have two physicians. I don't know how they do this. Um, we have um, an optometrist. We have a dentist. Um, so basically, they're putting their practices on hold to go work for $2,900 a month. And it's a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of work and, and long hours. And they're doing it because they want to be, they want to contribute, right? So right. I would support this, but there isn't a single, these are all Democrats, by the way. So I don't know how this bill is going to go. So that definitely is one to watch for. Um, I did want to talk about another one of Suzanne Weber's bills real quickly. And I do believe this is bipartisan and I think it's an important bill. And I haven't had a chance to really dive deep, but it would create an income tax credit for certain childcare workers. And if you were a childcare worker, you could deposit your refund um, in the Oregon Retirement Savings Plan. And um, then you get to get your credit would start being taken, you know, for your 2024 tax year, because it takes a while for all this to come in. Um, so we don't pay those people enough. Do you agree? Right. Our workers. Yes. I mean, our children are our most precious resources, and you're living with somebody who's making you know twelve bucks an hour, so or whatever they're charging. You know, yeah. somebody might be charging more than that, but those workers probably aren't getting maybe maybe minimum wage fifteen dollars. So this would give them some sort of tax credit to offset that, which you know it's not a lot, but it might you know might might make a difference. So the one I want to talk about, and I think this, if it makes it out of committee, which this had a public hearing a couple days ago, and I have not, it, so far it is not scheduled for a work session, which is code for a vote. And it's kind of controversial and it has bipartisan support. There are Republicans on this bill. Actually, the, the chief sponsor is a Democrat, but everyone else is a Republican. So there's a story behind this and it's House bill 2616 the chief sponsor is susan mcclain and it authorizes the sale of unpasteurized milk from small scale farm through delivery service or at a farmer's market um, or other farm to consumer sales if the milk is labeled as unpasteurized so basically you go to a farmer's market and buy unpasteurized milk you could maybe have a csa right and buy your uh, your unpasteurized milk um or I guess get unpasteurized milk delivered. Like I can't remember the last time I saw milk delivery. But anyway, <laughs> what do you think? I have to say, I'm just gonna put this out here. Raw milk is delicious. It's not pasteurized, but it is delicious. So what do you think, Carol? Well, I hadn't even thought about it. I mean, I, I, I've never had raw milk. I don't think so. Um, but sounds like a good idea if that's what something that people want and it's going to help our our dairy farmers that's good um what do you think about i mean a pasteurized milk carries it does carry the a higher chance of having bacteria right so you'd have to have something in place to to warrant that you know to make sure that doesn't happen and i don't know how you do that but well i think you're you're taking you're taking the risk if you're drinking unpasteurized milk right. and um i'm pulling up the bill right now and it it basically says that um 
And okay, so the herd has to be um, disease free. So it has to be, you know, like the Department of Ag has had to say your herd is disease free. Mm -hmm. And um, apparently, the distributor has to receive training and has to receive certification by a third party entity that is approved by the State Department of Agriculture um, and that imposes safety standards, right? And protocols for low risk production. And um, so this will be interesting. Uh, I didn't listen to the public hearing. We should, by the way, you can go on to um, the Oregon State Legislature's website and you can find all of these and you can watch the hearings, you can see who testified for and against and to see what concerns people might have about any bill. So this is all a public uh, process and it's great that you can watch it online so you don't have to go to Salem. So um, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting one that we should probably watch. Absolutely, I think it's certainly worth looking at, yeah. Yeah, and so the last one I wanted just to mention today, and I, 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 I reached out to her to see if she could be on our show at another time. She was not able this morning, but I think this bill is really fascinating and it's gonna have implications. Um, it's House Bill 2816 and Pam Marsh, and she is a Democrat from Ashland. She's a longtime legislator. She heard this bill essentially requires large data users like Google and some of the Bitcom mining, uh, data mining facilities out in Eastern Oregon, that they have to drop their reliance on the power grid. And it's pretty well uh, splayed out. Basically, she wants them to, by a certain date, have 80% less um, requirements on the grid and then eventually I'm just going to pull this up um, it basically says that requires the person who owns operates or controls high energy use facilities to ensure that greenhouse gas emissions associated with electricity used by high energy use facilities are reduced to 60% below baseline emission levels by 2027 which is pretty fast 80% below baseline emissions by 2030 and 90% below base emissions by 2035 and 100% by 2040. That means you have to go solar, wind, something else. Uh, and her, she, she basically is concerned about the amount of energy and water that is being used by these facilities. But anyway, that's something to watch. Hopefully we'll be able to have her on to explain further. But that is it for us this week. Um, we have managed enough mischief for the week. And Carol and I will be back next Friday. So make it a good one. This has been Setting the Record Straight. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. You've been listening to Setting the Record Straight with Melinda Bernard on KOHI. Listen again next Friday here on AM 1600. You can email the show kohi.radio at gmail.com or email Melinda, strsradio at gmail.com. Oh, take a step.